What is up, everybody? Welcome into the Man Room Podcast. I'm your host, Marcus Bridges. Thanks for joining us today. Super excited about today's episode. We're going to talk some comedy. We're going to talk some food. We're going to talk all sorts of fun stuff. We're definitely going to talk beer because we didn't do that in the last one. So uh, before we get to our guest today, real quick, a little bit of homework for you. Make sure to check out www.themanroompodcast.com. That's where you can donate to the show and help us move this train down these tracks. Uh, We're trying to build momentum. It's kind of hard. It's like somebody put dimes in front of our wheels, but we're working on it. Uh, check us out on Facebook, The Man Room Podcast. We're also on Patreon at The Man Room Podcast. You can get a little bit of extra content every week for just $3 a month there. So also check us out on Spotify and then five-star rate on Apple. That's all the homework. Let's get to our guest today. Joining me from uh, the good part of Southern Oregon that we like to call Medford, it's my good buddy, Nick Lanier. How you doing, man? I'm great. How are you, man? I'm doing good. Thanks for joining me today in The Man Room. Um, full disclosure for anybody listening, if it comes through that either one of us are hot, it's because it's a thousand degrees up here in the man room today and a uh, really nice day in Eugene having trouble cooling it off. So yeah, it's toasty. It's toasty. Uh, <laughs> but hey, most of the parties I've had the most fun at in my life, there's been people sweating. So oh, yeah. I feel like maybe I'm on the right track here already. Drugs might have had a, a hand in that. I don't know. I don't. Uh, yeah. I mean, <laughs> no, uh, no comment, I guess. Yeah, is no what I'll say. <laughs> Uh, so you're coming up here from Medford. I imagine a little bit warmer down there, even than it is up here today. Yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, you know, global warming and whatnot. Yep. Global <laughs> I feel warming. like we're turning into Texas. Yeah. It, it's really weird. I heard a crazy stat last night. I was watching the news, which is going to date me, but whatever. Um, they said that we got as much rain on the first day of May in Eugene that we got in the entire month of April. Damn. That's a little bit scary because the April showers are supposed to bring the May flowers. Right. But now what we have is April showers there don't come and the world starts on fire. Right. It's pretty much the only way it goes. Yeah, and so. in Southern Oregon, I mean, we're the epicenter for that in Oregon. I mean, uh, one of my, my hometown, uh, well, my second hometown burnt halfway last year, like half gone now. So, so. you probably knew some people that, that suffered great loss. Hopefully you didn't know anybody that was injured or, or killed in that, but uh, you probably knew people that lost businesses, homes, definitely. everything. Yeah. yeah, I knew. I definitely did. And I, uh, I helped feed over 10,000 meals for Rogue Food Unites. Oh, uh, that's awesome. Uh, you know, I used my chefy skills and cooked something up for the people that needed it at the time. So that's awesome. I was happy dude. to do that. That's awesome. I love hearing stories about uh, people helping out and especially people that, you know, they have a skill. I, I mentioned it in the intro. We're going to talk about food here today because you do have a particular set of skills, as Liam Neeson would say. Yep. Um, and that's awesome that you use that to, uh, to you know, help out in any way that you could. Um, I was just trying to host people because, you know, the, the uh, eastern part of Springfield caught on fire, too. And uh, I got some relatives over there and we had like a, we had a full size trailer pulled up in the driveway where my aunt and uncle were living for a couple of days. And it's weird, man. It, it sparks this thing in me like when those fires happen and it was weird that it happened in southern Oregon, central Oregon and up at Portland, too, was all on fire at the same time. I got, I'm, I'm not like a doomsday prepper. In fact, I was so far away from doomsday prepper that when those fires were happening, I was like, if we had to leave tomorrow, <laughs> would I be able to take anything or would I just grab the dogs and it would be the dogs and us in the car. And, you know, my wife and I, we kind of chatted about it and we went out and spent, you know, three or 400 bucks on just some food and some, you know, like a tent and a backpack yep. and just a knife. And so it's like some shit that's just there yep. in case it all falls apart. And I will be honest with you, I slept a little bit better after that when the whole world was on fire. Right. So you, know, you got to be prepared because the apocalypse is in imminent. Exactly. <laughs> it's, it's on its way. You exactly. Know? Like, probably in our lifetime, unfortunately. Yeah. And you know what is, is really a bummer that I, as you take a sip of that hazy IPA that you're drinking, mm-hmm. I just realized I don't have any beer or any liquor in that box. Man. I got to change that. Because <laughs> I guess the whiskey could double as like a disinfectant if I really right. wanted to waste it, right? So uh, as, as we always do here on the Man Room Podcast, we're going to start out by talking about what we brought to drink today. Um, you, I know, are a fan of the Hazy IPAs. I went to the store today 
uh, to get a hazy from a place that I normally, you know, walk into. There's like six or eight different varieties. Today they had one. So oh, uh, nice. shame on me for being underprepared and not doing <laughs> my homework. But today we are drinking the Ecliptic Brewing Phaser Hazy IPA. I believe Ecliptic is out of Seattle. No, Portland. <laughs> Almost gave Washington too much credit. Oh, uh, yeah. Um, this is really good, though, man. I like the hazies. We've ta- I've talked about it on the show before that... Um, my problem with the hazies is in the, in the quantity, as I should always make this a caveat in the quantity that I drink them, right. They can really tear my stomach up after a while. Do you find that? Yeah, Yeah, they sure can, but they taste so good that I just kind of power through it. I don't, you know, it's, it is really, I mean, it's hard for me to stay away from them. I, I started out liking them back when it was like. They weren't really calling them hazy. They were more like the New England IPA, and they right. weren't quite as fruity. Right. But when these Oregon breweries and Pacific Northwest breweries really started leaning into the hazy trend, the flavors that came out of some of these beers are just second to it's none, insane. man. It's insane. And, I mean, I compare it to weed here in Oregon, you know. Like, there's so many hazies, you know. It's like you're at the dispensary when you're at the <laughs> beer store. <laughs> exactly. You're like, oh, I wish I could just smell it, you know, like. You can't pop the jar open on that one. Right, right. We can't pop the jar open on anything anymore during damn COVID. I it's know. really a bummer to walk into a dispensary and not be able to smell a big jar of flour. Yeah, because I hate lemony weed. Yeah. I hate it. Really? Anything hazy or, you know, ugh, just get it away from me, man. Gosh, so yeah. see, and that's crazy because that's like that's my that's my jam. Yeah. I love the stuff that I picked up today is just it's it's lemonine and, and mercy and in the turp profile yeah. like nobody's business. But you're not the first person I've heard. So you probably like the cushions. You like the more earthy flavor. Yeah, like cookies. Yep. Cushions. You know. What, uh, do you, what do you think about the GMO stuff? The oh, breathy I, strains. I love it. Do yeah. You? It's I mean it, gas but offensive at the same time, and I love it. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I love the effects of uh, uh, GMO. I mean, we might as well jump into it. You and I both. Um, spent pretty significant time in the cannabis industry. Yes. Um, I did bud tending and management for retail and then also uh, sales for extracts direct to dispensaries. You worked for an extract company as well? Yeah, it was uh, called Fat. It's still open, but it's called Fat Pack Extracts. And uh, you know, I helped in the beginning with their marketing team and distribution and uh, packing dabs. You okay. know, that yeah. was probably the majority of my job. <laughs> nice, <was> nice. <laughs> Well, it's a it's an interesting industry because in the last few years, you know, once recreational hit, I guess it's been what like five years now, almost maybe even six. It just kind of exploded into that variety where people like you and me were before we used to buy like from my buddy Joe in Western Springfield, and you just go sit on the couch with him for a little while, and for you sure. get you get what he got, yeah. you know, the medical days exactly. But now it's like mm, I, you know I don't really like a haze, and if it's like far enough down the lineage, it'll give me a headache, you know. Yeah. And I, <laughs> while I feel like a snob, I also I also think it's really fucking cool yeah. that we've got the ability to be that selective. And and I mean, let's face it, best cannabis in the world is grown right here in like the southern part of Oregon, the northern yep. part of California. It yep. doesn't get any better. They include Jackson County and the Emerald Triangle type of thing now, you know, like they're they're at least like giving us the nod, you know. Yep. They should. There and there's some great farms from down that way. Um, Benson Arbor is one yep. of my favorite that comes from down there. Applegate River Roots. Yep. I love their in fact Little fun fact about the Applegate River Roots. I have one dab left of their Peach Cheese Rec Live resin that was done by White Label Extracts. It's been oh, snap. <laughs> sitting in my fridge for like six months now because I, it's, I think for my money, it's the best smelling and tasting extract that I've ever had. And you just can't smoke that can't last Can't smoke dab. the last one, dude. Yeah. And it's not the first time it's happened. I've had shatter. Like when I was big into shatter back in the day, I had uh, a couple of little like, you know, pinky fingernail sized pieces of shatter of yeah. uh one was from mother magnolia um that was uh i think it was chocolate oranges was the strain and it was just stupid and i can't remember what the other one was but I, i'm like that where I, I won't hoard a full gram but i'll smoke the entire thing and then hoard one dab just oh, yeah. for you know for good time's <laughs> sake or great. spend it on a celebration or something like that so yeah, uh, i mean you know if <laughs> if a big thing comes along you get a new yacht yeah you know? there you go <laughs> You could christen the yacht. I mean, what's so special that you'll smoke that last dab? Uh, you know, I don't know. It's a really good question. Um, I yeah, I think I'm going to save it right now for the very first time that I get to be back in Autzen Stadium watching oh, a Ducks football go. game. Uh, because I've been a season ticket holder for almost a decade now, and we missed last year, and it was... Dude, I didn't do anything in the fall. Like, I just sat here on my thumb and leaned back on my finger. It was fucking boring. And I feel like something like that that is really... Or maybe, you know, the first concert 
that I go to after oh, COVID or anything. I miss concerts so much. Oh, more than certain dead relatives. It's oh, ridiculous. For sure. <laughs> and I mean, I missed Tool and Rage Against the Machine in 2020. Oh, no. <laughs> I wasn't even... And this is what I said. Was it Prophets of Rage or Rage Against no, the Machine? No, it's Rage. Oh, they wow. were going through on a last tour and... It, well last tour they all say that they come back in five yeah, years kiss and, said that 50 times right exactly <laughs> motley Cruz on their like uh, last tour to the 10th or something like that <laughs> with vince meal um but anyway I, I wasn't ever supposed to see rage against the machine i think like in the in the in the way of the world they had stopped touring right about the same time that i started going to shows when i was like 13 14 and then they didn't tour all the way through like college when all I did was spend all my money on shows. And now it's like, okay, I'm, I'm 36. It's coming full circle. I finally get to go see rage. And then the whole world's like, no, you don't. Yeah. And just shut it down. I've seen tool before that one. It hurt, but I was okay with it. You know, what hurt me is the last concert I saw before COVID was machine gun Kelly. And oh. I, I would like to, you know, <laughs> You'd like see to something w- else. Wash that, that taste <laughs> out of your mouth a little yeah. bit. <laughs> I mean, I like machine gun Kelly and everything, but you know, uh, for that to be my last one before this, that's not right it's for a me. Bummer. <laughs> yeah. So what? Uh, what kind of? What kind of shows are you into? Uh, mostly hip hop. I was a, a hip hop promoter for nine years, you know, and I, so I've seen a lot of big people in the in the industry down to Ice Cube and Snoop Dogg, and you know, that's awesome. Tech Nine four times, and you know, it's just I just love the hip hop vibe. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Live music. I mean, really, for me, it's live music. It doesn't really matter. I, I don't. I'm a musician myself. As you, you're sitting in between two drum sets oh, yeah, right now. Definitely. <laughs> so, and, and I'm, I'm into you know metal and you know all sorts of music. I'm like, I, I, I listen to too much music. Yeah. Like, <laughs> that's a good problem down, to have. Down to even a couple of country songs. You know. Okay. All right. I see you. I see you. I grew up in a very small town in Northeast Oregon, so I can get into some country from, yeah, that, from for that sure. time to time. You know, it's, I'm from Eastern Oregon as well. Oh, are you? What? Yeah. Okay. What town? We're gonna get, we're gonna get a little country on you. Christmas Valley. Oh, you're from Christmas Valley, really? Yes. Okay. See, I'm a lot north, a lot, uh, way far north of that, but I've actually done some hunting down at Summer Lake. Okay. Yeah. Um, and you know, yeah, I've been hunting out there. Yep. Yeah, been to the dunes and stuff like that out yep. there, at Christmas Valley, and uh, and what do they call it? There's isn't there something out there called the Lost Forest? That's just like a group of trees right yeah, in the I middle of like a, a desert. Black Forest. The Black Forest. Yeah. And then they have like crack in the ground, and you know, that's pretty much it. Out yeah. There. It's, it's it's pretty barren. Yeah. I remember I was driving out there once, and we went through a town called Wagon Tire, and it was for sale. Yep. Yep. Is it? it? It was the small. It's the smallest town in Oregon, or at least it was when it had a population of three. Right, mom, and dad, so, and son, probably. Yeah, yeah. definitely. <laughs> and and there's like a. <laughs> There's a motel that's all shut down there, and when you stop there, there's, like, missing people's posters on there. And I'm like, okay, we got to get the hell out of Wagon Tire. Right. It's Because it's just one intersection. It's like it's like you come to a you come to an intersection, and it's there, and there's a – I remember seeing a post office and, like, an airstrip. Yeah. I was like, <laughs> where are you guys flying to? Like, what are, you, yeah. what are you doing here in Wagon Tire that you need to get a plane and get out? So it's yeah. sketchy, dude, to say the least. And the fact – that it was for sale. There was a sign on the, you know, the like entering wagon tire population three. And then right below it said town for sale. Yep. <laughs> and I don't think it was a very high price tag either, you know, to be honest. I could buy a town. I, yeah. Why not? Yeah. I mean, you can imagine being the mayor of the town and also the uh, chair of the city council. And I mean, you would get to be chair of everything. Like you're yep. chair of the water and electric board. You just get to do it all. Yeah. You're the postmaster. Could you handle being the chief of police of your own town? I definitely could. Yeah? You're yeah. going to rough some people up? Or are you going to be one of those understanding uh, guys that lets people party? It, it depends, you know? <laughs> it depends on like, how you party. It, it, you got you cross a line at some point. Like out in Medford, you know, they, it's well-known as Methford sometimes. So yes. you, you cross that line in my town and you out. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I have to say about Medford um, – and I, I get, I, I've said this a hundred times already, but I get scolded for talking too much about the donkey show on the show. So I'll keep it short, but we were treated better in Medford as the donkey show than we were treated anywhere else. Medford as a, as a city would come together and like, we would get picked up at the hotel by a shuttle bus. One time we walked out of Howie's on front after a big party at Howie's and somebody had just pulled a limousine up. Like we didn't order it. We didn't know why it was there. And they're like, get in. And we're yep. like, well, whose limo is this? And they're like, it's yours. Yeah, your and show was huge down there, man. I was a huge fan myself. I so. appreciate it, dude. And and I just want to say thanks to the people of Medford and the bar owners and the restaurant owners and hotels and everything. Every time we went down to that city, they treated us like we were royalty and put us up in clubs. That We walked into this old, like, kind of 
run down like looking warehouse one day and up to the second floor and there's this beautiful nightclub in it yep. and they put us at like a table in the middle of the dance floor and start handing us bottles of vodka. It was unbelievable to know what people in that are actually celebrities live yeah. like for a night, right. even if it was in Medford. So right. um, I, hats off to that place. I love it. You know, I go down there for an in and out burger. I did go camping on the Rogue River recently, uh, and, and we, we mistakenly chose Valley of the Rogue State Park right okay. there on I-5. And a, a homeless guy in a wheelchair, uh, he wheeled his way into our campground really, really late and tried to bum a smoke. <laughs> Awesome. Um, which is not good when I've just been sitting by the fire drinking beer and smoking weed for two hours. Right. That's terrifying. Right? Now is not the time. <laughs> exactly. So, uh, but I, I love Medford, man. Yeah, uh, real, real big soft spot for Medford. Yeah. Unfortunately, Howie's on front is now closed, and that's actually the building I book for these days. Oh, it, really? Yeah. It's now the Ghostlight Playhouse. Okay. So that, let's talk about that. You've got Ghostlight Playhouse. You're doing a show uh, pretty much every single Monday there, yeah. and uh, you've been booking comedians from obviously down in Medford. I know you booked some guys from uh, up here, Seth Milstein and, and Tyler Jones. Yep. Um, are you booking guys from California? Is there a lot of people coming through? So I've booked Dustin Wood. From Northern California, and he's hilarious. Yeah. And I, I've booked him twice now. You know, he'd come and glam up the show for me, you know. That's awesome. Uh, I've booked all the way up to Portland, Jake Silberman. I'm uh -huh. wearing his shirt today. I see that. It's nice. And uh, I've done uh, one show last night with him, but that was Freeway Ferrell's show. And then he came down uh, a few weeks ago for the show. Okay. In Medford there. So you're getting a, a pretty good run of comedians, it seems like, throughout the state of Oregon and even into California. Yep. That's really and good, dude. I'm trying to expand further than that. We're waiting for the restaurant to open and the bar and our OLCC license there. And and as soon as we have that, you know, it's going to be every Monday for sure. That's awesome. So um, as it sits right now, like what kind of capacity can you have in there? Right now, uh, it's zero at right. the very moment. But yeah. before, when we, were, when we were having a crowd, it was only 24. Okay, but still, that's like, I mean, look, 24 people in a room that's that size is, is a good, especially if they're all there, like, you figure people are going to that show in particular to watch comedy. They're not out to do anything else that night. Yeah. 24 people can make a very solid crowd if they're there for what you're doing. So right. I think that's great, man. I mean, don't even get me started about the fact that the state of Oregon shut down right now. I yeah. could, I mean, that makes me want to pull some teeth out and not yeah. mine. The, um, the first couple of them actually were just live on the internet. We were just we were on their stage. There's a professional three camera set up in there. Wow! So they they hit angles during the show. Uh, they have someone in the control room and everything. It's it's really professional over there. That's awesome. How were how successful were the uh, were the online shows? Did you have quite a few people come into the stream? They have what's called the Best Seat Club, mm -hmm. and as far as I know, right now there's close to a hundred subscribers. Uh, wow! They pay ten dollars monthly. To watch every show that the Ghostlight Playhouse puts out. Okay, that's cool. And is it just ghostlightplayhouse.com is a place where the listeners yes. can go look that yes. up? Dude, check it out. If you're down there in Medford, um, I mean, look, it's not very often that you come by a show that's going to be local comedians and, and comedians from the state doing like a feature and a headliner every single week. A lot of times you're just, if you're wanting to see comedy, you're going to open mics every single week. So yeah, I'm trying to build a community, you know, something that Southern Oregon has lacked over the years. Like uh, I love all of the comedians out there, but we haven't, you know, all been together in the same room a lot, you know? Mm -hmm. So, and also giving, giving people who haven't done it a chance to do it, you know? Right. I'm new. So yeah. I book my own show. I can get on stage, you know, I can hit 10 minutes and get better every time. That's awesome. So let's, let's go to that as a kind of a perfect segue. Did Ghostlight Playhouse get you into stand-up comedy or did stand-up comedy get you into wanting to book for the Ghostlight Playhouse? Stand-up stand -up got me into booking for the, the Playhouse. I've been booking comedy since 2017. I kind of switched it up from hip-hop to comedy. You know, comedians uh -huh. are a lot easier to work with. <laughs> you don't say? Yeah. <laughs> so I, I made the switch in 2017, booked a few shows uh, at a couple of bars that are have since closed. And uh, I'd just been looking for a solid place that wants to work, you know, and the Ghostlight Playhouse is that place. Yeah. 
That's awesome. Well, it's a great venue, dude. And I, I mean, I'm sad to hear that Howie's is closed, but I'm super stoked to hear yeah. that you're doing something with that space because especially when they opened up that kind of second half over there where I mm -hmm. think that's probably that's where, where the, the playhouse is. The restaurant's going to open on the regular Howie's side and then the performance side is where we're performing at the at the moment. That's where the theater is. Very cool. That's yeah. awesome. We, had a, we, we did an event down there and I think Carl's band, We Have Guns, came down and played awesome. uh, at that, I think right after they opened it. It was like one of the first uh, performances in that spot and once again just an awesome spot the alley out back even i mean we threw parties right. out there before so yeah, you johnny gotta... b's is at the end of the alley so you know you got two bars in the same alley you're gonna have a party out there. hell yeah dude that's awesome lots of weed being smoked and whatnot you know? <laughs> they were, man the guys that down in medford were always really good about the weed there was uh <laughs> yeah it's plentiful yeah there was a i feel like there was a clothing brand down there i happy does that ring I a happy. bell yeah they're still out there um they have a little warehouse out there, they're still doing something. Yeah, I, I know that they're still out there grinding. So a kid came up uh, at one time and had uh, one of the guys from the show sign his "I Happy" hat, and it looked like a nice custom hat. And like yeah. all of us were like, "Dude, we just ruined that hat for you!" Like, <laughs> now you can't wear it. Yeah, exactly. I had I had someone I don't even remember who it was, but they signed my hat, and I never wore it again. And I was like, "But I just bought it." Yeah, exactly. I didn't have dude. anything else for the dude to sign. Yeah, you know? there's no way to ruin a good hat like getting it autographed by somebody. I got to I had Matt Skiba uh, from Alkaline Trio autograph nice. one of my favorite hats at Warp Tour when I was a kid. But I thought twice about it, and I flipped it upside down and had him sign under the bill. Uh, <laughs> and so I got a lot of mileage out of that hat, but yeah. that's the only one. And please, don't ever ask you know radio guys or podcasters to autograph anything because you're just taking value out of it. Right, <laughs> right, yeah. Um, that's great. Well, okay, so we've got the ghost light. So talk about your stand-up. Uh, like, how did you get started doing stand-up? Because you've mentioned to me a couple of times now that you're new, but you don't you don't feel new on stage. I've seen yeah. you perform just the once, but um, you've got plenty of, of stage presence. You can tell that you're comfortable behind the microphone. What got you started, and, and why are you out here doing stand-up? So when I was 14 years old, I, uh, I entered a talent contest at my local church that I went to. Uh, and <laughs> so basically, I entered the contest and I decided I'm going to tell blonde jokes to okay. a sea of gray. <laughs> I, I ended up winning at 14. I was very proud of that. And then eventually when I was, I believe, 19, I went, I hit the stage again for, and then Years in between, you know, and then 2017 is when I kind of started taking it seriously. And then after a while, COVID hit, and I've actually performed more during COVID than any other time. So that's pretty it, awesome. No, there's not a lot of comedians that can say that. I've had a few of them in here, and that's not the case for any right. of them. So yeah, that's I great. had a, I had a pretty horrendous bomb in 2017 <laughs> and 20 or 2018. I had a really horrendous bomb, and I didn't recover from it for a while. So it was. It was something else. Okay, so, I mean, well, let's talk about it, because, yeah. like, I think every comedian out there uh, can relate to this, and anybody that wants to try comedy, just understand that this is in your future. It sucks when it happens, and sometimes it's hard to get over, but yep. it happens to absolutely everybody yeah. that tries I'm it. I'm used to it now. Yeah. <laughs> it, ha it happens. It, so, it really does. So, so describe that night. Okay, so they had a burlesque show before my show. Okay. They... they didn't inform me of this, so I went up with the set list that I already had, uh, and it included a joke that went like this. There's this rapper, Young Thug, and he did this video called Married to the Game, where he wore a wedding dress. And I just thought to myself, you know how, he doesn't, how I know he doesn't have any friends since all that money hit? No one leaned in and said, how about a tux? <laughs> and all the cross-dressers and stuff in the room... Did not like that. I can imagine. <laughs> and I, I learned to read my audience that night. Yeah. And, and I, it hasn't failed me since. You know? <laughs> Reading the audience is definitely something that you need to learn early. Yeah, it is. How bad did they turn on you? Uh, crickets. Okay. Straight up. So they I heard, boo, I heard, I heard an audible, oh, hell no. <laughs> and three followed, snaps. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Followed by absolute crickets, including my friends for five minutes. Oh, man. Because they don't want, they're not going to fall on the sword yeah, for you right of, there. It's one of the worst bombs that oh, you could dude, have, you know. Dude, that's, that's wicked, man. I, uh, 
I've I've been through them before. You know, yeah. we used to do a gong show at a college grind time bar on Monday nights, and I can't count the number of times that I bombed at that show. Yeah. Um, and you know, it, it's just it sucks when you get up there and you have that realization that okay, this isn't gonna be a good one, right? Because it, you know, the professional in you and the and the you know the person that wants to grind this out and make something of it in you is gonna say no. I'm gonna put my head down and I'm gonna plow right through this. Right. When the comedian in you that wants to be funny is probably like, no, just lean into the fact that they hate you. Like that yeah, sounds fun, but that's also a recipe self-deprecation. for getting, yeah, exactly. But you got to be careful there too, because sometimes, yeah, you can go the self-deprecating route or uh, you were at an open mic uh, with me just a couple of weeks ago where a young lady decided to go the uh, fight the audience route, if you remember. And oh, yeah. uh, you can go that route, too. And, and I've never seen anybody throw a mic at a table before until the other night. <laughs> and I was really surprised about it because this this woman was she was comfortable on stage. She had some stage presence. Right. She had a good voice and she was she was out there and you were hearing what she had to say. But. Then she thought that somebody in the audience talked some shit to her, which, okay, that happens at every show ever, so just be prepared for it and let it bounce off. But she got combative with that audience member, and then a guy tried to throw her a bone. She has beautiful, long, flowing, dark hair, right? And it's up there, and it's lit up in the lights, and the guy goes, tell us about your hair. And she goes, oh, you want to know about my hair? Well... I regrew that after I had cancer and it was just like, it was like she was shooting every opportunity to bring it back right in the chest every single time. And then at the end of the set, she threw the mic at a table of four people and walked off stage. That was after I left, huh? Oh, okay. That's right. So you weren't there. I had to get back. I was, I (sighs) wish I would have been there. Dude, she, so basically what happened was she dared her friend to go up and do comedy who her friend had a little bit of experience before. I I did catch the ass end of that on my way out. Yep, and then basically she kind of, after her friend was like, I'm uncomfortable, I don't want to be up here anymore, I'm going to go ahead and say thanks and get off the stage. She, like, shot up there before uh, Chaz, the the host of the show, could get up there and grab the mic and was like, I'm going. And he was kind of like, you didn't sign up, bitch. You know, but she, I, he didn't say that. Guy, he's a lot better than I would have been because I would have just taken the mic from her. Chaz could, is an awesome guy. <laughs> you could kind of tell that this was headed this direction because she was, when she, when she, she had dared her friend to go up and there were some people kind of talking in front of the stage and she was sitting back behind where I was at and she walked all the way across the room and was like, you know, you're sitting there listening to the jokes and all of a sudden you hear somebody go, hey! And you look over and it's her and she's scolding a table full of people for talking during her friend's set. And I'm like, you know, you can ruin your own set. You don't have to ruin your friend's set, right. you know. Uh, but it's, dude, it's it's the audience at a comedy show. And it's not always like on a Monday night open mic, unfortunately, especially in downtown Eugene, not everybody in that bar is going to be there to listen to comedy. Nope. In they're fact, they're there to drink. Yeah, they're there <laughs> to know? drink, and they think that they've got every they've got every bit of talent that you do and more. And so, right. if it was just give them the mic, they could go up there and do a better job. The only problem is that Disney movie never plays out. It that never guy, does. That dude. guy never gets the mic and shits the bed and gets booed off stage. That's why it's one of the oldest tricks in the book. You got a heckler, offer him the microphone. Yeah, exactly. They're not going to take it. <laughs> No. They're not going to take, they don't have anything written down. You know how hard I work on this stuff? <laughs> exactly. Like, and here was the kicker on that show, though. Like, I was the host. So that was my first time out on the stage. I had to go, I had to go back oh out. Oh, my in 10 God. Minutes. You had to keep going out there I and hanging your chin out. out there, yeah. Oh, my God. And I had like five comedians on the show. So I was out there six times <sighs> in total. <laughs> I'm surprised you weren't just announcing them from behind the curtain like an right, MC, right? Right. <laughs> nope. I hit the stage like I was supposed to, you know? Good for you. Yeah. Good for you, man. Well, it just shows you're a professional. So uh, talk to me about Slap Happy Comedy and Slap Happy Media because this is another thing that you've got going on. And you told me that you've you've had that going for a, quite a while now, right? Yeah. I, I've been doing, you know, film-type things for close to 10 years as well. It, weed and... And film kind of went hand in hand. I kind of started working in both the industries at the same time and doing weed skits, uh, weed related shows. You know, I had a show called Munchie Gang that okay. ran probably six episodes in total. And it was just it just the best munchies you can have while on weed? It was basically me and my friend would get stoned and then go to a food truck and try their food. 
And it, it was like a diner's drive-ins and dives with weed in it. That's you know? great. That's that's. I, I mean, I love Guy Fieri. Don't get me wrong, yeah. but I would watch yours <laughs> first. You know. Yeah. So uh, we we went to the first day of the In and Out opening in Medford. And stood in line for an hour and a half for a burger. God, just lose your buzz, right? Right, right there, standing in line. Could, yeah. could you at least toke up a little bit in line? Uh, we we didn't for the the video, you know, legalities and whatnot. Uh, yeah, but yeah. Uh, we we smoked heavily beforehand. <laughs> yeah. And we had plenty of fun in the line. It was actually one of the better videos that we made because we were just stoned and being stupid. And I'd never try, tried in and out before, so it was a new experience for me. Okay, so tell me what you thought about it because, you know, being an Oregon boy, all you hear about is in and out from everybody that you've ever met from California. Right. You know, I went to the University of Oregon, never had even heard the name in and out before until I ended up in the dorms with a bunch of California people that right. told me that I didn't know what good fast food was. Right. It's like, motherfucker, I didn't know what fast food was. I grew up in Enterprise, Oregon. We had a Dairy <laughs> Queen for three months and it shut down. But, you know, I have I have some feelings about In and Out, which I'll share after you do because I don't want to taint the conversation. Right. Tell me how your first experience was. So I said on the video actually that the burger is really good. It it really is just it serves its purpose. It's got two pieces of cheese, two pieces of meat. You know, some of the the sauce. You know, not too much more than that. I'm down. But the fries really need some work, man. Right? I was really disappointed in the fries too. My burger. I, see, I'm just a. I'm a. I'm a vanilla cheeseburger dude. Like, yeah. if you if you want me to get crazy, blue cheese and bacon. I can right. swing that. But I like. I like a good cheeseburger with some burger sauce and some pickles. You know, yeah. I'm not even an onion and tomato guy. Like, I I go pretty vanilla on my burger, and I felt like it in and out. They do a good job on that. On that you know, that plain burger, that plain cheeseburger, whatever. But I looked over at my wife's who's got it like toasted animal style or whatever yep. crazy secret menu shit. And I'm like, see, that's what they want you to do. They don't yeah. want you to come in here and just order this plain bullshit. Nope. They want you to dress it up. And because Google I'm, it, yeah, because <laughs> I'm not that guy, I feel like I kind of miss out on what in and out is about to begin with, you right. know? And, and therefore I'm left with the fries, which are lacking at yeah. best. As, so. the, as the vanilla uh, cheeseburger guy, as you call it, uh, do you like smash burgers? You know, I, I do. Um, it depends for me. I don't like a burger that uh, totally greases through the bottom bun. Right. And I find a lot of smash burgers because the size can kind of vary. They kind of get a little bit soggy, but I actually made some. Dude, I went down and bought like a... I spent way too much money on a on a pound and a half ribeye steak and had him uh, grind yeah. it up for me at the at <laughs> That's the butcher. The way to do it. Yeah, and then I went and got some sirloin ground at the at the supermarket and I mixed those together and made smash burgers. You get that fag content right in there, dude, and uh -huh. it, it gets that charred, uh, you know, that charred crust on the edge. You know what they call that? I don't. They call that the Maillard effect. The Maillard effect. Yeah. So okay. basically, it, it causes these crunchy crevices. So when you flip it and put the cheese on the, it just melts through the crevices, but keeps its crunchy consistency. It's so good. Yeah, it's called the Maillard effect. Okay, I I, I know that science is delicious, and so I respect that. Yeah. <laughs> food science is the best kind, and yeah, I mean I, I do like a smash burger. I'm not necessarily the guy that likes a big thick burger either, unless it's done right. I mean, I'll eat anything, you know, as long as there's not too much vegetables in it. Right. <laughs> I'm a fan of the vegetables myself, but my girlfriend definitely is not, like, into it. So I try, and I try, but, you know. Yeah. I See, I'm a meat guy. I always have been. And, you know, make fun of that. Tweet it. Do whatever. Screenshot it. You know. <laughs> meat guy. Yeah, I'm a meat guy, but. It's going to be a t-shirt. <laughs> when, uh, when I met my wife, she was actually um, in a very small portion of her life. I don't want to paint her with a broad brush and say she I like was like you, this forever. You, you put the wife in there right after you said meat guy. Yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> got to make sure and cover my tracks yeah. here. Uh, but she was going through a vegan portion of her life where her and her college roommate had decided they're going to do vegan. And I, at the time, like I, I do, I think I remember like a couple weeks after we started dating, she was living in Monmouth, Oregon and I was living down here in Eugene and I was, I called her and she's like, what are you, I was like, what are you doing? She's making a salad. They're having dinner, you know, at the, at their dorm or whatever. She's like, what are you doing? I was like, I just made some spaghetti sauce with ground antelope, you know? Fancy. <laughs> like, yeah, exactly. But I had, cause you know, my family, we're all hunters and, yeah. and that year in and particular. in Eastern Oregon. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> We've got, I mean, they had, we'd gotten lucky. My dad had taken down an antelope and sent some meat. I had elk and deer in the fridge and duck at that point in time. Right. 
And I told her, you know, real early on in our relationship, I was like, I don't care what you eat. Just understand that you have less than zero chance of convincing me to do what you do. No, <laughs> you know? that's and I, never happening. It's never <laughs> happening. And I, I mean, look, I, I like I love the health benefits and everything. A lot of people you hear talk about elk. It's all about the the protein to fat content and how lean it is. Dude, you can do some amazing, very flavorful shit with elk meat if you know what yes, you're you doing. Can. And um, that's what I like to do about it. I'll it's throw delicious. you, I'll throw you an elk burger chili. They call it Marcus's Thunder from Down Under chili. Oh, I'm down, dude. <laughs> it's hot, it's spicy, but I'll tell you that elk burger adds a certain smokiness to it that you just can't get with beef. Right. And um, you know, my wife, bless her heart, she she leaned into that vegan thing for a few more weeks after getting to know me. But after that, I was like, let me just let me just make you dinner once. And I made her something. You know, I don't even remember whether it was live game or or whether it was a wild game or or not, but it pulled her out of that vegan thing, and now she's just like me. I mean, we had ribeye last night, you know? It's you like, go. I'm all about that life. Now and you're talking. <laughs> yeah, see, it's it's one of those things I know probably isn't the healthiest choice for me. I know a lot of people about my age and a little bit older are getting to that point in life where they're, you know, maybe they stopped drinking beer, or maybe they stopped, uh, you know, drinking hard A, or maybe they cut sugar out of the diet. I know that sooner or later a doctor's going to tell me that I need to do that, but I haven't I haven't hit that point in like my psyche yet where I can agree with it and be okay with it, you know? Okay. It's like what's a couple more years at the end of my life? I'm not yeah. gonna enjoy that time anyway. You know That's how I feel. <laughs> I, I wanna be able to eat steak while I can still chew it. Okay. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> so because right at thirty is when your teeth start going. Exactly. That's, isn't that awesome? Exactly. You know? Gotta love it. I'm actually I, I'm still and I'm holding on to this record like a, it's just one of the things I hold the most de- near and dear to myself. One cavity my entire life, and it grew under the glue of my braces. So I had no chance to prevent it. And luckily, I still get good. My wife manages a dental office. So it's there like, you go. I that helps. Yeah, it helps. <laughs> and it also is one of those things where, like, you can't go in there and fuck around because right. she's going to know, you know? Mm-hmm. And so, um, yeah, I, I'm pretty proud of, of my teeth. And I, I think that that's one of the main driving factors between keeping them healthy is being able to eat meat well into my 70s and 80s. There you, you go. Know? That's a main goal right there. <laughs> you got to have them. You got to have those food goals. Uh, so that brings me to uh, the next thing that I wanted to talk about. We did say in the opener, we're going to talk about some food stuff. Um, you had started uh, a little company called Chefed Up right at the beginning of 2020. January 2020, you said. Yeah, my timing is not very good. Hey, nobody could have seen it coming, dude. January <laughs> 2020, I was still cruising, man. It wasn't yeah. until about... Uh, what March? March, the shit March hit the fan. 16th is when I got booted out of the kitchen of my second job. Oh God. Okay. So you were, you were working another job, but you started chef up and, and just tell me what it is and take me through the story. So it was what they call now a virtual kitchen. And I was working out of a, a commercial kitchen out of uh, Medford and we would basically cook the food to order and then deliver it ourselves. So when COVID hit, all the big guys had those millions of dollars to budget and say, hey, we deliver, you know, and I can't outmarket McDonald's. Right. Who can? So uh, <laughs> eventually it kind of just fizzled out and, you know, uh, the fires happened and then I was able to hop back into the kitchen to help, you know, feed people. Okay. So I got a, a little bit more time in the kitchen on that one, but it, it was ultimately a, a losing battle. Yeah. So well, it's it's a bummer because I thought it was a really cool idea. Are you are you trained at all as like a chef, or do you just have you worked in you know kitchens? Obviously, you said you were working in a kitchen, so you've done like maybe some line cooking and yeah, stuff yeah, like that. I started in the dish pit, just okay. like you know, if you don't go to culinary school, then you start in the dish pit, and that's just how it goes. So I started in the dish pit and slowly worked my way up to line cook, and then I felt comfortable enough to open my own business mm-hmm. where I cook the food and design the menu. That's awesome. And, and that's so, what Chef Up was. So tell me some of the stuff, because I, I remember seeing it on social media at the beginning, and I remember, like, I, I hadn't met you yet. You and I hadn't connected. The podcast hadn't started. But I remember seeing you post stuff on Facebook and going, I fucking want that. Like, I want to eat that. How do I get that? And then I looked up. It's like, damn it. It's in Medford. I don't think he'll, I don't think he'll bring it up here. Yeah. I mean, yeah. A, a serious delivery fee would be in order and it might be cold. Yeah. I, yeah. It might be. I, I mean, how much would it cost you to just, Hey, come up here, make it in my kitchen. And yeah, then, you know, you sure. can drive back down. <laughs> so, uh, what type of stuff, like, were you offering? What kind of specialties? What's your, uh, and, and I do have a question about uh, uh, something else that we talked about. So don't give up what we're going to talk about as right. far as tailgating. But what are some of your uh, specials that you had for Chef Up? Because they looked fucking awesome, dude. So I had uh, 
uh, I started out with my Cuban sandwich because I make Cuban bread from scratch. And the thing that makes it Cuban bread is, is not a lot of people know this. There's two different applications of yeast when you make Cuban bread. Okay. Another difference is that you use uh, lard in the bread. So, I like it. Anytime you put lard into stuff, it starts to get my attention. There you go. You got to put that fat, that rendered fat in there, and, and people are paying attention. But I make really good Cuban bread. So I was like, oh, let's make a Cuban sandwich. And that's what we kind of came out with. And then I made this chicken bowl. <laughs> it's, it's like grilled Mexican seasoned chicken, elote uh, corn mix. Uh-huh. So it's just deconstructed elote, if, if I can use that deconstructed yeah. <laughs> little moniker on it. Uh, and then guacamole, all made from scratch. I, I I really worked hard to bake every single piece of bread that came out of that kitchen and yeah, make sure everything was from scratch. That's not down easy. To the sauce. That's not easy, man. We, I mean, even just getting all that shit together and to do that for one meal for your family at home yeah. is like kind of a journey. And so doing yeah. it for like on, on any type of scale is got to mm-hmm. be just nuts. Some days I'd work 16 hours easy. God damn. And then uh, labor of love, though, days, right? Other days I'd work eight hours and then go work eight hours at my second job. Yeah. So. So, but you, I mean, you enjoyed that time in the kitchen. It wasn't uh, something you felt like. therapeutic for me. I just awesome. jam and cook, yeah. you know, and it's it's my favorite place. That's awesome. Other than the stage. Okay. It's my favorite place. All right. Well, I mean, you make some pretty good Cuban jokes on stage too. I'll tell you that. <laughs> just yep. kidding. Just kidding. He doesn't jump into the Cuban. He does, you're not hitting the Cubans or any other people hard. You're, uh, you're, you're great as far as your, com- uh, your comedy goes. I don't want to sell it uh, as if you're, you know. Saying things you that, shouldn't man. be on stage because there's so much, there's a lot of sensitivity out there right now. So yeah, I'm an artist and I'm sensitive about my shit. <laughs> uh, so I asked you because of your history in the kitchen. Um, are you good? Do you need to take a break real quick before we get into this? We could do that. We uh, could take could a break. Another beer. That's kind of what I was thinking. My beer's getting a little bit low. We're gonna take a quick break. It's the Man Room Podcast. Don't go anywhere. Stay tuned while we grab a refill. The Man Room continues next. Grab a drink. This, this is the Man Room. Welcome back into the man room. Our cups are full. I'm hanging out with Nick Lanier, and uh, we are just talking about one of my favorite subjects in the world, which is food. Mm-hmm. And uh, I just so happen to see, I haven't taken my culinary uh, experience or or made the jump into like being a professional. Now, I was a waiter at Applebee's. Nice. Which, no, not really. But, <laughs> uh, it was, that was my part-time gig that got me through. I was able to do the donkey show in a part-time fashion because of that Applebee's job. And other than that, I learned nothing, came away with a few friends, but that was yeah. about it. Um, I always admired the cooks. I felt like what they were doing looked like it was a lot more fun than what I was doing, but they also all really hated everything and mm-hmm. everybody. And so yep. I, I couldn't tell if that was just the that's person. That's being a corporate line cook. Okay, there you go. So that's good to know that because I liked a lot of those people. They were really yeah, nice I've to me. I've done that as well. It's not fun. Not I, fun. I cook for a truck stop. It's Oh, God. I can only imagine. Yeah. What are they? Change the oil and rotate the tires. It's like bacon and eggs or some shit. Yeah, right? but not only that, they, you know, they they're this company with 400 stores, but they can't put more than one line cook in the kitchen at a time. Oh God. So So, you're just always just swamped. Yeah. Swamped straight Uh, up railed line to line, dude. And it's the only thing in a restaurant that really pisses people off automatically. Every time is having to wait too long for their Mm -hmm. food. So you're just, you start out 10 leagues behind the race. Oh yeah. And then they'd straight up like start a clock. They're like, you got 12 minutes. Oh God. I will burn this place to the ground in 12 minutes. No, what I'd say to the waitresses is, you know, stagger the tickets a little bit. I'm overwhelmed here, you know, and if I hear another motherfucking ticket print, I'm gone. <laughs> there you go. Which Okay, so that's exactly what I heard from a lot of those yeah. people behind the behind the <laughs> Applebee's line. So, um, but, you know, I've, I've never done any, like, professional cooking. My biggest adventure in that, uh, in that space is going to be that I have, like I said, been a, a season ticket holder for the Ducks over the last 10 years, and we tailgate 
very, very religiously. And since pretty much now all of my friends that come to the Duck Games have all moved out of Eugene, mm. this house, not only this house and this room in general, uh, hosts a lot of people during duck season. And I am the guy that's kind of taking the responsibility on of cooking. Right. And I've uh, I've done some I've, I've done some really great things. I think I've gotten some really high praise from the people. I make that I told you about that that chili that I made the mm. the Marcus's Thunder from down under. I'm a chili champ for that. I won a ribbon one year to chili yeah. cook off for first <laughs> place for that shit. Um, I was using elk burger, and once again, I think that you can't replicate that with beef, so that's why I no, won. No, you can't. And the one guy put just Nally chili in a crock pot, and he got second place. So oh I was God. also not, like, super <laughs> confident in the flavor palette. but um, uh, That's hilarious. I do tri-tip. I really enjoy tri-tip. I do burgers. You know, my wife and I, um, one of the things that really hit is I, I got a mandolin the other uh, a couple years ago, and I started making potato chips. Oh, yeah. And I, I fry up potato chips out there, and people can't get enough of them. Literally the easiest thing that I make and yeah. people want more of that than anything else. Um, yeah. but watch I, out for that mandolin though. You know, I I've do. seen some horrendous injuries from those things. I'm so scared of it that I I'll waste a good half an inch to an inch of every potato yeah, that do I you cut. have the guard. Yeah, I do. Oh, it's, it's yeah, a little use guard that every time I do. And it's, <laughs> the only problem with it is, is I also get to the point is I like really sharp cutting instruments. And right. so if I hear the plastic hit the blade of the plastic of the guard, hit the blade, I just right. throw the rest of the potato away. Cause I don't want to dull my blade. There you go. I want to be able to take a finger off with it. Yeah. I just don't want to take a finger off with it, but yeah, uh, for sure. <laughs> um, you know, so I have a lot of experience in just cooking for, let's say 20 to 30 people don't really know what everybody's taste is, but going to try to do something down the middle. Like I said, I've done tri-tip, um, we, uh, we used to go down to Mucho Gusto and get their awesome taco shells. Cause they'll make them like 20 for like a buck Okay, and they give them to you. And then we would do all the taco fix. I have taco bar. We've done like baked potato bars out there and stuff. I've gotten crazy with it. I've had a lot of fun with it, but I thought somebody like you that had a lot of experience cooking for a lot of different people would have like maybe a really cool idea. So what I posed to you a couple days ago, I said, dude, if I decided to make you my honorary chef at a Ducks game, let's say we got Washington in late November, oh, shit. playoffs are <laughs> on the line, okay, we hate the fucking Huskies at Autzen yep. Stadium. And I, it'd be my first Ducks game, too. Okay, so. so we're getting closer and closer to making this actually happen as a reality, so uh, yeah. <laughs> all you got to do here is impress me, and we're going, okay? <laughs> like, I'll even put you up for the night. I got a room and everything, so. Yeah, I I have a full mobile kitchen. Oh, so like, damn. I, I have a smoker, I have a flat top, I have an outdoor fryer, I have, you know, stainless steel tables. That's know? amazing. See, I just burn uh, myself and the plastic tables that I have. Right, and <laughs> I, I bring it all. I would bring it all. I would make, you know, something like smoked wings. Okay. Okay, you smoke them for a little bit, and then you fry them the rest of the way, you know, get that crispiness. Oh, yeah. And then I make this habanero honey butter. Ooh. From scratch. Every uh, That's a big one. Uh, that was my first wing sauce that I came up with myself. Okay. And, uh, so nice and spicy, but still got a little bit of richness oh, and smoothness to yeah, it. Yeah, it's got the honey for sure behind it. Okay. It's, it's really delicious. And then I make the slaw that is carrot and celery. Love with it. The homemade blue cheese dressing. And I'm not a huge blue cheese fan, but Rogue Creamery blue cheese. Yeah. It's the best in the world. Literally, they won the World Cheese Cup. They're the first American cheese to ever do that. The first American blue cheese to ever win that. The wow. first American cheese. Oh, wow. Period. Like nothing from Wisconsin. No. Rogue Creamery blue cheese is the first one to win that. That's amazing. And Bobby Flay uses it. Wow. Yeah. I like Bobby Flay. He's a little too handsome for my taste. It's yeah. like, you have to be that good of a cook and that good looking? Yeah, he's a hero. <laughs> <laughs> he's winning it for all of us. <laughs> okay, so we've got the smoked wings, which I love because here's the deal. You didn't know you were going to steal my heart, but I'm a huge wing fan. I don't make I the best wings. I, yeah, I don't yeah. make the best wings, so I let my buddy Andy, who he, he has a great wing recipe that he uses. I always let him handle the wings at the tailgate. Um, but I love, cause we're also, I mean, most of the time, if you're going to come to my tailgate, what you're going to get is like a Frank's medium or like a Frank's wing sauce. Like you're not right. going to get a lot of, a, a lot of, um, depth in the flavor okay. of the sauce. And so the habanero honey butter just sounds out of this world to me. Yeah. It's, okay. It's something it's, it's delicious, seriously. And it's got the heat to it. Cause I use 10 habaneros in the recipe. God damn. So it's it's not for play play, you know. Like, <laughs> That's crazy. So, but lastly, uh, I would 
I would uh, bring my mom's potato salad. Okay. Which I'm the only other holder of this recipe, but it is the best in the world, ranked by me. Yeah. <laughs> I look forward to Thanksgiving specifically just for the potato salad. That's awesome, you man. Know? That's great. <laughs> so, I love those family recipes that go way back, dude. I, I have a couple of them. They're and- like the the you know the. The bullet in the chamber, man. Yep. Like, if you're a chef and you got some home recipes that mom or grandma made, you're going to kill them yep. man, every time. Dude, it's, you know, it's funny for Thanksgiving that you mentioned that because one of my mom's recipes that I always make is for Thanksgiving. And, you know, you see, like, my wife will put so much work into the turkey and, and you know, so much work into stuffing and all these different sides. And I've always done, it's like, I'm going to make mom's twice-baked potatoes. There you go. And they're the... Worst thing on the menu as far as nutrition factors go. It's nothing but butter and sour cream and cheese and potatoes. Um, they're pretty easy, except for the fact that sometimes I burn myself when I'm digging the potato out of the hot baked yeah, skin. Yeah, you definitely will. Um, <laughs> but other than that, it's like I don't really put much effort into these, and people will sit there at the table and be like, oh, my God, these potatoes. It's like yeah. that bird has been literally in preparation for 38 hours now or yeah. something At like that. At least you didn't say green bean casserole. <laughs> ah, you know? I least. mean, everybody's got one of those, right? <laughs> Come on. And look, here's the deal. If you make a green bean casserole and you're not doing out of the can, I don't want it. Okay, but make that shit. I want French's. I want the cream of mushroom that's soup. Goddamn right. Yeah, that's how I know it. So America. Um, yeah, exactly. Okay, so your mom's potato salad. We're having the we're having the uh, celery carrot slaw with the rogue creamery award winning blue cheese dressing. Yep. And then we've got the hot wings, dude. I yeah. like it. I and, like it. And if I'm feeling a little more fancy, I do brisket really well. You know, okay. some pickled red onions and homemade chipotle barbecue sauce that I I rock out to. So how long are you cooking a brisket for? Because I know that's sometimes like an 8, 12-hour ordeal. I would definitely be there at 4 in the morning. (laughs) It's one of the tougher parts about tailgating is that it just changed. They used to only give us four hours before kick. Right. So if you're smoking something, you got to do half of it at home and hope that you can get either the smoker to the tailgate area and use it there or maybe finish the smoke and then do the rest of the cook at the tailgate. Now they give us six hours. Um, which is better, but it's not enough to do a brisket, unfortunately. Well, what I would do is, you know, old restaurant trick, basically cook it the day before. Yeah. Then put it in the smoker an hour before. Don't put any smoke on it. Just let it heat up. Warm it up. And then it's good to go. Okay. Brisket's very forgiving. See, it's all these little tricks that I don't know because you say brisket's very forgiving. You give it to me, I'll fuck it up. I'm not (laughs) even messing around. Uh, If if you... if. You're sitting pretty at 250, like I like to say. Okay. You know, 250 degrees. You don't need to go any higher or lower, but it's a bitch keeping my smoker at yeah. 250 the whole time. So I'm I'm up every hour checking that thing. Damn, that's one hell of a night, dude. Yeah. I, <laughs> you know, I gotta make a make a confession here because I just um, bought into the world of smokers here recently, but. I got myself a Traeger that I can control from my phone. Perfect. And, uh, dude, I was at Albertsons the other day, and I was like, wonder how that's doing. And I looked it up. I was like, oh, a little hot. And, I, you know, yeah, turn it, it down. down a little bit. <laughs> yeah. And I feel like, okay, that's great. I'm using the technology and everything. But I feel like in terms of talent, like somebody like you that gets up and checks it every hour knows so much more about what's going on in there than someone like me who's like, what's my app say? It gets pretty <laughs> hardcore. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it gets it. And you smell like a campfire the next day, which in Oregon, we don't want to smell that anymore. No, dude. Everybody smelled like that for three months last fall. Yeah. Like, please stop it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, uh, dude, we, uh, you know what? Going to wrap this up here before we go too much longer, but uh, we were kind of BSing off the mic. And I, like I said, I don't talk. I, I try. I shouldn't say I don't. I do. I talk about the donkey show a lot on this podcast. I don't do it because I want to relive the glory days so much, even though we had a lot of fun. And it was a great time. Um, but it's one of the reasons that I was able to start this podcast. If I hadn't done that show, I wouldn't have the connections that I have to get the people in here that I've been able to get. Right. And through that, I've been able to meet some people like you who I met you because of the podcast and because of stand up comedy. And it, what it turns out is that you were a really big donkey show fan back in the day. Yeah. And, uh, you were following along with that show from its very outset, um, all the way up until it ended in 2015. And, um, and I, I just, First of all, would like to thank you because I don't get to look too many fans like that in the face anymore. Right. And for I know I speak for Tanner and Drew and and Carl and all the rest of the guys that were a part of the show that 
um, it's it's fans like you that made it worth doing because we still feel like we have the best fans out there. Yeah. Um, and it was it, it always made it fun because of people like you and because of places like Medford, you know, like right. we say. So, um, but I know you wanted to talk a little bit about that, and I don't want to steal that thunder from you. So, well, uh, throb it, slap happy. Check it in. Throb it, so, slap happy. And that would have been the name. For anybody that doesn't know, because I know there's some people out there that didn't get to listen to the Donkey Show, we called our listeners Throbbits. Uh, that term came from a Lord of the Rings um, sex, like, porn parody. Yeah. And rather than calling them hobbits, they called them Throbbits. Which there's also the story. is very hilarious. Yeah. <laughs> if you have a chance, you know, Pornhub is there. You know? Oh, God. <laughs> it might be one of the worst casted porn uh, movies that I've ever seen. It's, like, it's the only porno I've ever watched and went, I don't want to jerk off right now. <laughs> I don't. <laughs> Glad to know you've got such a wide compass. Yeah, there. for sure. You know? So, uh, you, you know, you, you were listening to it, what, when you were, uh, you, you were a little bit younger, maybe 16, uh, about the time that that started. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that was a, around the first, you know, bits of me writing my own material was around 16, you know. I had depression, depression issues, and basically it was a coping mechanism. And uh, I would just tune into the donkey show and write down whatever crazy idea came to my mind, you know. Yeah. And I actually came across some of the notes uh, a couple years ago, and I was like, oh, God, none of this would make it to the stage. None of it. Not, not a one of it. <laughs> Nothing. But at least you still have it. So you right. know where, the, where you started. Like, being able to have where you started on paper is pretty cool. I'm pretty crazy about keeping my, my papers. I have several boxes of just notebooks that have random nonsense yeah. written on them <laughs> and every once in a while i'll go through the couple of boxes and i'll go all the way back to 2006 you know that's crazy and yeah that's i still crazy. have notes you know well i you know I, I love hearing too that it got you through something like that's something that some some people would tell us like hey you got me through my divorce or hey listening to you guys gets me just through a work day that was always something that i really enjoyed and it's something that i kind of fiend for for this podcast as well because I, one thing about being a, a guy like me is like, I told my dad when I was like 16, he asked me, he's like, what do you want to do? Like, you're getting close. You're a couple years from being out there on your own. What do you want to do? And I was like, I want to do radio. And he's like, you know that they don't get always paid the best to just go in there and just turn music over. He didn't think I was going like talk show. Right. But I was like, I don't care. I'll make 16 grand a year for the rest of my life if I can do what I want to do. There you go. And I, you know, there's a, there's a few different things in your life that'll teach you real quick, um, like the bank and the IRS, that that's not the most feasible mindset to have. But when you a, love something, there's it's a calling. You have to do it. Right. You have to do it. Otherwise, you are going to be a depressed mess the rest of your life. Oh, yeah. And, and, you know, spent some years doing that. Look, I really enjoyed my time in the cannabis industry, but I have not been as happy as I've been since I started this podcast for the five prior years and I was working in the cannabis industry the whole time. That doesn't mean it's the cannabis industry's fault. I met a ton of great people. I networked with a ton of great businesses. There's a ton of great products out there that I got to partake in, but it wasn't mm -hmm. me. It wasn't Marcus, yes. you know? And and uh, so I, I just want to tell you how, and, and really the only reason that I, I even wanted us to really talk about this on this program is because it's another chance for me to tell you, like, how much it means that you still hold those experiences near and dear and you still even think about the donkey show once in a while because right. you know for for tanner drew myself tanner and drew now just of course uh, killing it up in portland and, and doing exactly as well as as everybody knew that they would um i didn't get as uh, as fortunate to to kind of follow that dream and now i'm in a in a place in my life where I'm able to do that with, you know, a fair amount of risk involved, but also a supportive partner that my wife's like now or never, you know, you might yeah. as well try it. And so here we are. So dude, thank you very much for bringing that stuff to my attention because yeah. you, you know, you won't know this, but like, I'll think about that for a few days and it'll just make me smile. So I right. really do appreciate yeah, it. Yeah. And I mean, I wish that they still had the ensemble type of radio show, you know, like they got Bob and Tom, but other than that, it's like, Far and few between, man. It's rough, dude. And, um, you know, we saw that going back uh, way, way back. I mean, way before Tanner even uh, left the show after he was, you know, unceremoniously fired and, and there was a lawsuit. That was a lot of drama, man. I listened in on that, too, you know. It, it was, was crazy. It was it was unbelievable. I <laughs> This was the first time I'd ever taken my girlfriend at the time to Las Vegas. It was just her and I, couples trip. We were super stoked. You're going to go 
party and have a good time, dress to the nines and hit the clubs and everything. And then three hours before my flight took off, it was, hey, Tanner's fired. And when you come back from Vegas, you're going to be the host. Oh, like, shit. <laughs> wait, nobody fucking ran that by me when I booked this trip because I would cancel it right now. <laughs> like, yeah. I've got a weekend of sweating to do. Um, but, it, you know, it, it worked out and we got a couple more years out of it. I don't feel personally that anybody outside of that room ever, and, and actually it was Kirk who was on the show with Drew and I that said this to me the other day and it, it rang so true. I don't think anybody outside of that room that worked for that company really knew what they had. And yeah. we always felt like we knew exactly what we had and we wanted them to understand it. You guys would joke it. about it constantly. Constantly. And and the thing <laughs> is, is like the, one of the reasons you joke about that type of stuff is just to see if you get a reaction because right. if you don't, See it they're means really they're listening. not listening, you yeah. know, and, th and that was a tough part, too, is like, look, we know this isn't for you, but it's for a lot of people. Right. You know, that goddamn Facebook page that they took from us had 20,000 followers. And between the time that they told us we could keep it and we wrote our goodbye speech on there, they changed the password and took it from us. So right. uh, for, for anybody that didn't hear that part of the story, there's a reason that that just went away. And it was because. They went back on their word, and, you know, I, you can tell I hold a little bit of a grudge. I don't want to beat a dead horse. More than anything, I just wanted to say we appreciate you, and it's people like you that we did it for. So Right, and I appreciated you guys, too, like for real. Well, <laughs> and, and now you and I get to work together in a completely different capacity, which is awesome, which is stand-up comedy. Uh, so open mic tonight, you know, talk about this a little bit. Uh, Seth Milstein, who was on episode six of the podcast, is doing an open mic night every Monday right now at uh, Slice Pizza here in Eugene. You can go down there and check it out. It's a great space. It's yep. outdoors. It's open air. Mm -hmm. It's uh, socially distanced and all that bullshit that matters now. Um, but the point is, is it's a really good comedy crowd, really good stage. Seth is an awesome host. He knows yep. how to hold a room and he knows how to put on a show. Um, I'll definitely be making the trip as much as possible. That's awesome. And that's saying a lot because yeah. it's a long-ass trip for you. I just have to drive downtown. So. Yeah, it's a good three-hour drive. I get to <sighs> listen to my podcast. There man. you go. There you go. Catch up on the man room. That's what I'm talking about. That's about. right. <laughs> and also, I uh, don't want to go without saying, we mentioned it earlier uh, just in passing, but Chaz Logan Hyde uh, hosts a open mic at Lucky's. It's called uh, Amuse Days every Tuesday at Lucky's. I don't know what the status of that it's, show uh, is. It's not going right now, it's but as off. soon as it's over, as soon as the, you know, the second shutdown stuff. is over or fifth or whatever shutdown we're on now, uh, <laughs> whenever that's done, he will be doing it again. So, so. we're on week... It's it's uh it's week seventy eight of two weeks to stop the spread. So right. we're really we're really uh, we're closing in. <laughs> yeah. We're the only state going backwards. It seems it does it does seem like that, which sucks because uh, typically we just we follow suit with California and Washington. Whatever they do, we do right after that. Now yeah. they're opening up and we're still scared and hiding in our hole. So yep. without getting too crazy political on the show and and pissing a whole swath of people off. Just uh, do what you think is right. You know, if you don't want to go out, if you're scared, don't go out. Uh, get your vaccination if you want to do that. If you don't, you know, I, I don't ha I, I hear all these people like yelling at other people about their decisions. It's like, man, I'm in no position to tell you what you should or shouldn't do. The position I'm in is to tell you, you should do what you want to do because that's where you live. Yeah. That's the United States of America. And that, you know, you don't get caned in the streets for not social distancing. That's but, great. you know, <laughs> move to New Delhi. See if you enjoy that. I don't know. Maybe that's Singapore. Yeah, exactly. Maybe you need a bit of corporal punishment in your life. I don't personally tend to fight back when stuff like that happens. So, um, but go check out Slice Open Mic Monday nights uh, here in Eugene. And when everything opens back up, please do go check out uh, Amuse Days every Tuesday night at Lucky's with Chaz Logan Hyde. Those shows both sign up at 7.30 and showtime is at 8. And if you are a comedian listening to this and wondering if you should get there early before the sign-up sheet, I showed up at 7.40 to Amuse Days and was like the ninth guy on the bill. So, yeah, right. get there early. Those spots go fast. Um, and, uh, dude, I'm notoriously really early. Yeah. That's <laughs> also great. check out, uh, slap happy comedy presents at the ghost light playhouse in Medford. If you're out that way, uh, we'd love to have you and make you laugh. Yeah, so. dude. And it's great. Uh, ghost light playhouse. I'm actually going to be, if everything it goes the way we hope it will, I'll be on stage May 17th at the yeah. uh, ghost light playhouse as your, uh, as your opener. Yeah. Um, and it's the first first like actual not open mic gig that I've had since 2019. So I'm really yeah. excited about I'm it. I'm excited too, man. Uh, we're keeping fingers crossed that we can have a crowd by then. Uh, we'll see what we can do moving forward. If not, 
you know, we have the, the streaming platform. Okay. Uh, tell all of the listeners where they can find you and your content online. At Slap Happy Comedy, at Slap Happy Media on Instagram, Slap Happy Comedy on TikTok, Slap Happy Comedy on Facebook. There you go. And, uh, of course, at any open mic that will have you up until. Indeed. Yeah. All right. <laughs> any outdoor one. <laughs> any outdoor one. There you go. Well, Nick Lanier, thank you so much for joining us today in the man room. Uh, one thing I've kind of done to people that I don't really tell them I'm going to do. What did you think of the experience in the man room? It was amazing. Everything that I expected it to be. Okay. This room is dope, by the way. I wish I had a man cave like it. <laughs> well, you're welcome to come hang out anytime. I will tell you that I'm. he must have set his expectations pretty low for it to be everything that he expected. Uh, so I'm, I'm thanking you very much for stopping by, dude. It's been a, it's been a lot of fun. Uh, we're going to go do an open mic, tell some jokes tonight. We'll probably have a few more beers and, uh, and, and smoke down a little bit just to get prepared. Cause that's what happens in the man room. We do it once a week, every week, Monday, 8 AM, a new episode. And don't forget to stop by the website, www.themanroompodcast.com. We'll see you next week. Thanks again, Nick. Cheers, brother. Thanks for listening. And, 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 and,